This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hello. And this week we are talking about the best Doctor Who episodes. This is going to be a long one because Doctor Who is a very long show. It yes. started in 1963. It's got 26 seasons. I watched a lot of New Who when I was growing up and it's something in British culture that you have to watch like with Doctor Who. It's yes. like, a must-have. Like If you haven't watched or just heard of it, yeah, you just know it. It's like, oh, Doctor Who, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's like a rite of passage at this point. I mean, if you haven't watched Doctor Who, there's no better time than now to jump in because what we're seeing, it's the start of a new era. The 60th is upon us. Russell the Davies is back. Shooting out was first season as the Doctor is starting very soon. And it's just a good time to be a fan last week we did the 50th anniversary next week we're going to be doing the 60th anniversary as you say 26 seasons of classic who 13 seasons of new who and there's just so much to talk about so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about one episode from each of the doctors of new who and just talk about the best episode from each of them from our own perspective so we've chosen one episode from christopher eccleston david tennant matt smith peter capaldi and jodie whittaker and maybe one day we'll do some classic stuff as well but that would be a very long episode of the podcast yeah this is gonna be (laughs) a very long one so cecil in we're gonna talk about stuff that really defined doctor who Episodes Mm. that have emotion, heart, wit, comedy, and Doctor Who has a little bit of everything. It gets more complex with time travel and also with the cool parts with monsters and aliens in this whole world. And there's a lot to explore in this world as well, which is really cool because it's like this continuous season bit by season, like with the new Doctors. But yeah, it's such a really cool show. There's some really good episodes that you should watch, especially the best one, which we'll talk about. We will talk about which one is the best one. So Absolutely. We may get into some spoiler territory, but really these are just the must-watches of every Doctor. So we're going to start with season one in 2005. This is Christopher Eccleston's only season. And the pick that we have chosen for Christopher Eccleston is Father's Day. Father's Day. I want to start the discussion about this by just kind of saying that some of my favorites from Russell T. Davies' first run as showrunner are the smaller scale, more personal episodes. This wasn't one that I was really bothered about when I was a kid. I preferred like Dalek and Parting of Ways, like the big episodes Mm. with big monsters. But this one actually I found to be really moving upon rewatch. Yeah, this one was just really moving how they use time travel as a point of narrative to make it really emotional, you know, seeing someone's dad that you haven't seen before, you know, it's like really emotional. The first seasons of New Who focuses on Christopher Eccleston as this broodier character that you haven't seen. He's like a lone person in this world of Doctor Who. But then we focus on Rose, the Doctor's companion. One of the cool things about this episode is that it explores the complications of time travel and also what could happen 
if you say someone else's life in that world. So yeah, it gets into really interesting moments in the episode, but man, it was really emotional as well. So yeah. Yeah, you have these reapers that are constantly attacking because the timeline has ruptured and because they've changed things. And it's so moving to see this man kind of realize that he has to die. And I think this this whole episode, it does kind of take the more sci-fi elements back a little bit. Everything is so closely tied to humanity. You know, Rose's wish to have her dad and to see him again. It's so human. And I love how Eccleston's doctor, he struggles to understand how such a small feeling can work against big universal stakes that he's more concerned with. I think it's what makes him such a unique and compelling doctor. There are quite a few times in the episode and also in, in his season where he calls humans apes. He thinks that they are so primitive and he doesn't understand their emotional sensibilities. But there are moments where he truly does get it. And I think at the end of this episode, when Pete Tyler does die, the doctor has to console Rose. I think those moments do really work well. One of the things that I really love is Pete Tyler as a character. I like how well characterized he is. Mm. There's a really beautiful contrast with how he's remembered and how he is in reality. Like Jackie Tyler always spoke of him like he was this great man. But you see him and he's a bit of a doddering old fool. He's just trying to get by and he's doing all these different inventions and Jackie's always shouting at him. But there's a love that kind of transcends that. And I think Mm. Rose getting to spend even this one portion of time with her father and getting to be with him in his final moments is worth so much. Mm. When it comes into characterization, I think Russell D. Davis does it really well with characters in such a big universe. It's really complicated to go into the aspects of time travel. And it's really emotional when, you know, Rose has to say goodbye and he has to let her father die. Otherwise, the timelines will be ruptured. Yeah, this is something that I wasn't really expecting growing up, you know, with like watching Doctor Who. It's like, where's all the action or all that? But this, this is the centerpiece of what Doctor Who is supposed to be. You know, it gets you into your heartstrings and yeah this is a really unique episode it's the drama that really is a force of nature in this episode like the acting and the performance it gives you this slap in reality when you know you look into these characters like what you said about p tyler he's like this goofy guy he doesn't know he's doing much yeah it's such a really moving episode to go through Yeah, it really lingers on the mundane of human life. Like, it builds all these elements of emotion and villainous foreboding, this clock that we know must eventually run out. But everything is so ordinary. There's arguments about mundane little things and times when people talk about their lives and you can see the human spirit. And I think that really works well against the knowledge of Pete's coming death. You know, it's a metaphor for death itself. And, you know, you see that manifested through the Reapers. And I think it all works really, really nicely. It really is a great expression of what the show can be when it focuses on that humanity. And you're right, it is fantastic to see such a brilliant episode, even though Christopher Eccleston had such a short time as the Doctor. So that takes us on to David Tennant, the next Doctor who was the Doctor for three seasons. And we're going to be talking about an episode in season two, which is Girl in the Fireplace now. It's still Russell T. Davies' era, but you cannot go wrong with a Stephen Moffat episode in this original Russell T. Davies' era. I mean, whether it be Empty Child, Girl in the Fireplace, Blink, Silence in the Library, or Girl in the fireplace he just comes in and he writes some of the most memorable and haunting episodes with just these insane sci-fi concepts that they also have some of the most affecting character moments and this is just such a brilliant episode that he wrote here david tennant was a great doctor when you go through his episodes 
I think he's like the most. Uh, oh, who do you think is the most chaotic out of the doctors? Which one is the most chaotic doctor that you think yeah. that? Because I mean, you see Matt Smith, and then you see Peter Capaldi's ones. Like they have mm. so much chaotic energy. But I don't know why David Tennant has that chaotic energy when you go through his episodes. Is like he has emotion, but also just sometimes goofy. But yeah, this is one of the best written episodes by Stephen Moffat. Again, it's a really cool show when you go through with sci-fi aspects. And I just really love how they looked into different parts of history. Yeah, I think with Girl in the Fireplace, it's interesting because it's a historical episode, but at the same time, it's also a futuristic episode because we have 16th century France on a spaceship. There's a great line where Mickey's like, what's a horse doing on a spaceship? And then the doctor's like, what's 16th century France doing on a spaceship, Mickey? Have some I think it's 18th century. Oh, is it 18th? Right, okay. But still, like, I think it's fantastic seeing this kind of meld of things. I mean, this episode, it's got it all it's got space it's got a historical period cool monsters comedy emotion and it's just all packed into 45 minutes it's incredible yeah. like there are so many iconic moments with the horse going through the mirror and yes. the like the, the yes. fireplace itself and like you know the, the, the turning and the letter at the end i mean this episode just so emotional i yeah. want to talk a little bit about murray gold who does the score oh, murray for... gold oh my god yes okay, we have to gush about murray gold music is such a core cool aspect of doctor who it can be the most dividing moments or the most emotional moments but murray gold yes here it pours her heartstrings i think this episode has one of murray gold's best pieces the piece madame de pompadour is so beautiful and so sad and it's this brilliant encapsulation of the passage of time and age and not quite getting to live the life of your dreams it reflects the episode perfectly it's phenomenal this simple piano melody with the strings kind of coming in it is heartbreaking and quite possibly one of the most emotional themes that Murray Gold ever did when he worked on the show. It is genuinely just amazing. Yeah, and this one was like really scary with the robots, with Mm. the clockwork. They are scary. Like, they are just pure nightmare. It is insane how we thought about these monsters. I love the idea that these clockwork beings have these portals to 18th century France. And they need this kind of thing to keep themselves going. I love the idea that they're acting out of desperation. And this is this time in France close to the revolution. And this idea that they're harnessing energy of like a really troubled time in Mm. France. I mean, one of my favorite things about this episode is how it looks at the doctor. It's a really excellent examination of the doctor as this lonely god who lives beyond everyone else. Like that's something that we see a lot in the show. The doctor is a lonely god. We have set up of this spaceship with doors into different points of Madame de Pompadour's life and it traps the doctor into only being able to visit specific points and you know when it culminates in the end where he never comes back and when he eventually manages to get back she's dead she's gone it's fantastic and it's so clever that would only work for Tennant specifically Tennant feels the most lonely of any of the doctors he Mm. makes the most friends and he has the most triumphs but at the same time he's left alone at the end of it all again and again whether it be losing Martha or Donna and especially losing Rose and what that does to him he balances the pain of his loneliness but at the same time Mm. he's a swashbuckling heroic romantic figure who's charming in every scene and then you see deeper into his emotional psyche at the End. you know he invites madame de pompadour to come with him and mm. she never can and that is it's just heartbreaking and it's a brilliant example of yeah. what makes the doctor such a fascinating character yeah it's heartbreaking the doctor can go through those moments in time in madame pompadour's life and he has to watch that go by and it's just oh it's so sad pain <laughs> just pain 
Yeah, yeah, there's so many endings of Doctor Who are really painful, and that's kind of what I love about it. I think a lot of these <laughs> yeah. episodes that we're going to talk about are pretty sad episodes, pretty difficult episodes, but I think that's kind of why it's so good. We're now going to move on to series five. When I'm Matt Smith's era, he was the Doctor again for three seasons after David Tennant. And this is actually the end of Ross Davies' era. And Stephen Moffat was now the showrunner. Stephen Moffat, who wrote Girl in the Fireplace. And we're talking about A Christmas Carol. Now, the Christmas specials are a staple of New Who. And, I mean, they're coming back this year. I'm so thrilled. I think it's so great that Matt Smith's best episode turns out to be a Christmas special because I think this is the best Christmas special in the show and I think that it's really great that we can talk about it in this video. It is a top tier episode, no doubt. Something that I think is really interesting in Moffat's Christmas specials is that he does a twist on classic stories that we have Christmas specials that are based on Alien, Superman, Narnia, and here we have A Christmas Carol, you know, Charles Dickens, and I think putting the Doctor in this story, putting Matt Smith in this story, this story which is undoubtedly one of the greatest Christmas tales ever written, it's genius. The time travel works really, really well for the ghosts of past, present, and future. I love the way that as the Doctor influences Kazran's past, present Kazran, who's played brilliantly by Michael Gambon, rest in peace. He remembers and he sees those moments and is moved by him. His Scrooge-like demeanor begins to melt. And yes. it's it's truly oh. heartwarming to see this selfish, cruel man become caring and thoughtful through what the Doctor shows him. Mm. When I first watched that Christmas special, it is, as you said, a great twist on the Christmas Carol with sci-fi elements. And there aren't any alien or monster conflicts. This is something with a man. It's such an interesting arc when you look into like Christmas Carol, you know, with Scrooge, but here with Kazran. It's a really emotional arc. One of my favorite moments, it was just heartwarming but sad at the same time when the Doctor hung out with Kazran, make his life better and not feel alone with Abigail. And I just found that really nice, that heartwarming thing and made his childhood a lot better rather be stuck in this life. And the sad aspects that I found was that, I mean, he was looking through the photos and he laughed and just cried and just thought about like this moments that happened in his photos. And I think that is something that I just found really heartwarming for that episode. Like, like he had that all that time to help with Kazran's childhood and he does it so well with the visual storytelling with the photos and it's like oh man it's something that he dreamed of and it kind of came true to him for he has a lot to do the photos yeah that is something that I was just enthralled by I was like wow this is some really powerful writing it's magical it's not just magical in the ways that like the episode feels like a christmas fairy tale but it also has themes that are tied to christmas and indeed doctor who like it's a story about the good in everyone how no one is ever truly lost and how mm. remembering the good remembering the happy can save our life it can save the world you know the entire planet the people crashing down to it as you say they're all saved by Kazran's kindness it's also something that comes up in other Moffat written Christmas episodes you know Peter Capaldi's final episode is so much about the value of being kind and how the world sometimes can be kind and that's mm. what the doctor is there's the idea of lost time and spending what time you have left with people that you love and that's what Christmas is all about and you can see that through you know Abigail and how she spends her waning life and how all of that comes down to these happy moments and these kind moments it's beautiful yeah and the soundtrack in this again is christmas spirits as well again the doctor saved lives but this one i thought it was the doctor that changed someone else's life and that life is like a butterfly effect really like he changed that person's life to save other people's lives in the most kind way 
he's discovering his past and discovering how he can make Kesman's life a little bit better with Abigail and the ending for Abigail sings and all the fish. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about this. There's fish that fly in this fish yeah. special. Just and casually shark. drop that. Yeah, By the way, shark. there are fish that fly. Yeah, there's fish that fly in this whole episode. That final song that Abigail sings, Abigail's song is the name of the track is so beautiful like the christmas vibes of this episode they are amazing. Oh. like the music is whimsical abigail singing like i say and the carols and it just again it exudes this magic and you've got the victorian aesthetic you know the dickensian dialogue the snow the idea of the doctor visiting kazran every christmas and the sleigh throughout there are numerous sleigh rides and it works so well i love how moffat's era really looks at the doctor as this whimsical magical man who falls out of the sky in a box and he drifts into lives and he makes them better and there's no better doctor to do that than Matt Smith who just feels like this sweet kind man he he harbors some dark things that's true but also he cares so much and he loves humanity so much and yeah I guess you'd argue that he is the doctor who does harbor the most love that's what makes him perfect to be this figure in a Christmas carol who makes Kazran's life better because he does work so well and when that's interesting because then you contrast that with our next doctor Peter Capaldi oh. who served as the doctor again for three seasons every doctor's serving for three seasons I swear Shuti Gatwa please stay on for four please <laughs> um, stay on if you can <laughs> yes Sweet. please I mean do it if you're happy but yes yeah. Peter Capaldi we're going now to season nine still under Stephen Moffat and we have heaven sent I mean what can possibly be said about this episode that hasn't already been said you know this was recently voted in Doctor Who magazine as the best episode of all time classic and new who and I have to agree I have to agree yes this is the best Doctor Who episode this was a force of nature when you look to his entire era he was a completely different doctor and I think the most well-defined doctor ever what do you think of Peter Capaldi's as a doctor I really struggled with Capaldi back when he aired I was so heartbroken over Matt Smith who was my childhood doctor but as I've got older I've rewatched his run twice and I think he might be my favorite doctor I absolutely adore Capaldi I'm a huge fan and I think Heaven Sent is far and away my favorite episode of Doctor Who. I love the idea this episode that the Doctor has to face his own grief, how to live with that and how to keep going despite it. There's the amazing quote that the day you lose someone isn't the worst, it's all the days after. And you can feel the weight of Clara's death on the Doctor. Like we literally are one episode away from that. And there's just various moments, like sometimes he tries to talk to her, but she isn't there. And the way that he is confronted with his own loneliness throughout and this stalking idea of fear and of truth that's just following him. Mm him through this castle the whole episode is just peter capaldi on his own in a castle and he carries it man it's so he well carries written. it he absolutely carries this this is peak this is just peak right here i'm telling you it's got the music the performance the story and it defines the doctor in such a subtle but powerful way so here we have the doctor in this castle with this monster and the monster is called the veil it gets really confusing when you're trying to figure out what is this place every time we think about the doctor like the doctor can work out the impossible throughout the episode you see like is he not going to save the day or is he going to save himself it gets really heartbreaking you know when you see his mental strain you're like how can he keep doing this how can he save the day with himself and he's stuck in this hell basically all you can do is talk to Clara in this mental 
well, the Mind Palace, but it was his TARDIS. And the best things ever, you know, Steve from Peter Capaldi, he does in this TARDIS to explain his problems in this place. And it's done in such a clever way. Yeah, there's a fantastic moment in, I think it's in this episode. It might just be in Peter Capaldi's era in general, but where he's in this Mind Palace, he's in the TARDIS and he walks and he says, I'm nothing without an audience. And he just glances at the camera and it, oh, it's brilliant. I love that kind of stuff. I mean, as I say, it's rare that we get an episode of the Doctor all on their own without a companion. And I just think it's really interesting how this episode presents how they think. As you say, the Mind Palace is literally the TARDIS and the Doctor is figuring things out at lightning speed and walking around and talking through his thoughts. And the first time we get it, we think that the Doctor's safe. We think that he's found the TARDIS again. But no, it's just him thinking about his process and what his thoughts are doing as he's jumping out of this window. And it's mad. And the way that this episode, literally, there's not a single, I mean, maybe you could count the veil, but there's not a single other side character. Like we've had episodes of Doctor without a companion, but there've been side characters. This is just the Doctor on his own. And I cannot stress enough how that concept is really difficult to get right but Stephen Moffat absolutely nailed it the shepherd's boy sequence at the end of the episode that is my favorite sequence that is my favorite favorite sequence out of Doctor Who history it's one of the greatest sequences in the show you can see the doctor he's gone through so much pain again and again having to face his fear and his grief for centuries as the first second of eternity passes and he breaks through the wall of diamond desperate (sighs) to escape this castle this manifestation of everything he's been going through and the literal light that can free him and the music Peter Capaldi's performance, the editing, the way every single detail matters. And it's so well thought out and relevant to the climax. It is phenomenal. It's the greatest ending and to any to Doctor Who in, episode ever. And to put into context, he punched his way through that diamond. It is just a powerful sequence showing him as the Doctor. He never, never gives up. You see that he does this for billions of years. That whole the Grimm Brothers story, it's placed in there for that incredible monologue. A bird that comes sharpens his beak and chisels to the top of the mountain. One hour to get around and one hour to climb it. Ah, it's just such an incredible moment and Murray Gold's theme for The Shepherd's Boy for this entire sequence. Yes. And the first realisation I was first watching this episode, I was like, what? What is going on? This can't be right. And this has the same vibe for Loki. Loki takes a lot of cues from Doctor Who, which is really cool because the writer-director of the first season of Loki is going to be working on the new era of Doctor Who, which is really, really exciting. That's and also cool. I love how at the end of this episode, we also see Gallifrey come back as well. There's so many moments. It feels big. It feels like this huge climax. It works so beautifully. You know, the Doctor literally comes out of his own confession dial to see the main city in Gallifrey. It just works so well. And that piece, The Shepherd's Boy by Murray Gold, they use that as well for Capaldi's regeneration. It's like this episode just kind of did so many brilliant things. It is absolutely brilliant. And with Peter Capaldi's performance in this, it's him that just carries this whole performance in this. I mean, it's literally him in this whole episode. But the way with the sets and the way with the music, it just pulls the heartstrings like it's psychological horror for him, for the Doctor. He's stuck in this place. But one of my favorite quotes is like, stuck in this place, trying to figure out what this is. And it's like, Christmas came early for him, like with this whole mysteries and stuff. That's what really defines the Doctor in this whole thing. There are moments where he's loving it and he just kind of, he forgets about his grief. And he might say like, see Clara. And then he realizes that Clara is no longer with him. And he'll be brought straight back into like, you know, he has this amazing line in the beginning where he's like, if you think that because she is dead, I am weak, then you understand very little. And he says, I am the doctor and I'm coming for you. It's so good. I could gush about this episode forever. One thing that I really love is the realization when the doctor remembers there's a word that was written on the floor, bird. 
and it has this horrible realization on his face with the dolly zoom and it's like oh god what is he thinking why bird does the concept of birds terrifying but no it's the grim brothers story yeah he almost is like i can't do this and then he sees clara in his mind palace who says doctor you are not the only person to ever lose somebody so get up Clara gives him the drive to keep on going. And I mean, that is just fantastic. Peter Capaldi is God tier. I mean, all these episodes are fantastic. And next, going on from Peter Capaldi, we have Jodie Whittaker's era. Another three seasons for another Doctor. And this is obviously, you know, huge first female Doctor. We also have Chris Chibnall doing the writing for this era. And No More Murray Gold as well. The score is instead done by Sagan Akinola. An episode that we've chosen for this one is The Haunting of Villa Diodati. I really think this episode is really cool. The Haunted house setting is awesome i think it fits the narrative with you know mm. lord byron and the shelleys and the idea of ghost stories and the ghost yeah. that stalks through this episode it fits excellently and also the way that history is put to the test it becomes vulnerable the house kind of becomes a character in its own right something that traps mm. the characters it keeps them apart keeps them running in circles and all of this with the storm outside it's a perfect horrory setting there's a great moment at the end when graham's like hey you know that creepy girl and maid and they're like what are you talking about and Graham's like, no, no, you know, hey, hey, Doc, ghosts aren't real, right? And then the Doctor's like, I don't know, they could be. And it's like, oh my God, this episode has got some really nice ghost story, horror story vibes. And I think it really fits. Yes. To be really, really honest, I haven't watched a lot of Jodie Whittaker's era, but I thought this was a really cool episode from Jodie Whittaker's. This is something that more the Doctor, if you know what I mean, like the haunting of the house and it's like, what is going on with Jodie Whittaker's trying to figure it out. And I really liked how the links for the history of like Lord Byron and, and the Shelleys as well. And it's like, what is the place with the character dynamic? And it's just really, really interesting when you go through the episode. And it's something that maybe think like, oh, what are the other episodes of Jodie Whittaker's ear is like? I mean, hey, I can give you a list of some of her best episodes, but I think that, you know, I'm currently rewatching the entire show. I've been doing this since May. <laughs> I started of Classic Who and, and I've... He's committed, I'm almost done. I've only got like 12 more or something like that. But basically what I think is interesting about her era is that she has some really good historical episodes with Rosa yeah. and Demons of the Punjab and The Witchfinders and Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror and obviously The Haunting of Villa Diodati. Like that's... It's really, really cool to see. But I also like that this isn't just historical. We also get some classic villainy with the Cyberman. And I must say, you know, we're normally treated to armies of Cybermen where you see them in legions. However, this episode, it makes one single Cyberman scary. You know, the way that Ashad, the lone Cyberman, stalks his prey through the house. Mm. He manifests as this figure appearing only in bursts of light when lightning strikes. And then in full form as this broken down hybrid Cyberman who is somehow more dangerous than any other Cyberman we've seen before. That is excellent. I don't think that, like we've had that with the Daleks before where like one Dalek is made seen as this terrifying thing. But with Cybermen, we always get numerous of them, but just seeing this one Cyberman, I thought that was really great. Yeah, Yeah. I I thought I really liked just seeing this one who could destroy them all very easily. Yeah, and the cool aspect with this, it's like, how can one Cyberman be this dangerous and it's like this haunting of this house? It'd be a great episode to watch on Halloween. And I think this episode also has some of the best characterizations of the 13th Doctor. You know, she's often bubbly and kooky and she's definitely still that. But here she carries the weight of her life, the weight of centuries, seeing some of those horrible things. Like when she sees the lone Cyberman, she is scared and she stops taking any nonsense from anyone else because she knows how 
dangerous a Cyberman is. Like, she knows mm. they are the reason behind two of her regenerations, behind the deaths of numerous people close to her. Adric, Danny, Bill, the reason she lost Rose. It's fantastic to see the Doctor properly shaken by a monster in a situation, having to grapple with the fact that not even the Doctor can always win. There's this idea where she talks about, you know, words are important. History is important. She has to deal with the fact that she has to choose history over the future. And that's scary. And it pushes her to the point where she snaps at her companions. She finally admits that the team structure, it's not flat. It's mountainous with her at the summit in the stratosphere alone left to choose. 13 in this episode is more layers than ever before. And I think that is brilliant. I think she's brilliant as the Doctor. It really builds up that tension and the horror throughout the episode. You said earlier, like, who's the most chaotic Doctor? I think it's the 13th Doctor. She, there are so I many th- moments yeah, where I she think will so. just, yeah, things will no, just fall into it. her hands. Yeah. And she'll just be like, oh, yeah. And she'll just kind of figure stuff out. Like, I really kind of enjoy watching her. Her stuff is some of the most fun that I have whilst watching Doctor Who because her and her companions are just kind of always so goofy in the best possible ways. Yeah, I gotta say, she is the most chaotic one now thinking about it. She does it so well as a doctor. Yeah, and the final thing that I want to say is we've talked plenty about Murray Gold's score, but Sagan Akinola's score mm. is fantastic. Switching between the sounds of the 19th century and the kind of, you know, metallic stomping sounds of the Cyberman. It's a scary score for sure, but it's also one that lingers on the tragedy of the characters, like the strain between the Doctor and the companions and also the pain within the lone Cyberman, you know, within Ashad who once loved and loved in return, mm. but also is now cold and heartless. And Sagan, he brings a lot of cultural and historical influences to his score across his three seasons and uh, you know that reflects episodes times locations i love how he he so amazingly conveys the weight of the choices the doctor has to make and how devastating their repercussions will be i really love his score the doctor's theme in this era is also amazing i think that jodie whisker's regeneration for instance is one of the best regenerations the show has had possibly mm. even the best one in new who it's brilliant and the music is one of the reasons why that works so well but yeah i think that brings us up to speed that brings us back to now the modern day we've one episode of the 60th anniversary left and then next week we'll be covering the whole thing which is super exciting i do want to say next week's episode will be out a little bit later than usual we're going to release it at 5 p.m uk time on sunday so then we have time to watch the final episode of the 60th and cover it in full but oh that's so exciting i love it's so exciting right now yes because for me when they brought david ten back for the 14th doctor i remember texting you i'd be like oh he's coming back now they brought me back I'm just worried about, like, what do you do with the Doctor? Like, is it going to be nostalgia bait? Or is it going to be something that they're going to rework on, you know, this whole universe? With the anniversary specials, I think that's going to be interesting where that goes. Absolutely. I think that this is interesting time for Doctor Who because a lot of people have come back to the show. And I think that's really great to see more people than ever excited about it. And I really hope that, that people do respond well to the anniversary and season 14, or I guess season one. I think they're rebranding. I don't I don't really know. All I know is that it's already exciting. Thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. And next week, as I say, it's the 60th anniversary. That will conclude our three weeks talking about Doctor Who. But don't worry, we'll be talking about season 14 or season one, whatever, when that comes out, when that's finished next year. Yes. And you can send us an email at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the Doctor Who 60th anniversary and ask us any questions and we'll answer it right here on the podcast next week yes and you can follow us on instagram at outer time film pod to see our incredible thumbnails from zane asbel 
on Twitter for more thoughts from Tom and TikTok to see edited clips, which are all also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to that in the description below. Thanks to L. James Mayer for the excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals as always. And I think that's everything. And Doctor Who is, I think, one of the best shows ever. Take what you can. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.